Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Youth of the Nation podcast, and I'm here with Andre. Andre, how you doing, man? Always lit, as always. <laughs> always lit. Man, I'm here with Andre, and we are doing our first live recording. Super excited. So I'm literally looking at Andre, looking him in the eyes. Kind of creepy. I'm looking you in the eyes. You have nice brown eyes. Thanks, bro. You're are your eyes blue? They are. They're okay, sweet. They are. Sweet. Well, Andre is, um, Andre is a pastor. I'm going to call him a pastor. Uh, Andre, what do you work at, dude? I work at America's Credit Union. Mm. He's a banker, right? Is that is that your official? Y- yeah. All right. Official term is banker. He is a banker, and he is madly in love with the Lord. So as I was thinking about people to interview, I saw Andre, and I was like, got to have him on the show. Got to have him on the show. So I asked him, and he was like, of course, I'd love to do it, but you have to pay me first. And I said, I can only pay you in water and gum. Um, but he still came on. So, Andre, we're going to talk about some mental health. Uh, also, going to talk about some race stuff. And I'm also super excited to talk about you. Just ministry life and how dealing with kind of harsh feelings towards ministry or harsh feelings just towards your role in ministries, but still flourishing yeah. in those roles. So, let's do it. First, dude, I want to talk about mental health. Man, I think the biggest thing that when it comes to mental health is there's a high awareness to mental health kind of. And can you speak to that? Like, what does mental health mean to you and how does that impacted your story? Yeah. Well, I think like just in the past, um, just in the past couple of years, honestly, like mental health has become a huge topic. And I think it's just with the people entering like the work for the workforce and the people entering just, um, I mean, because it's not even adults. I mean, it's high school students. It's J hires. It's yeah. I mean, we even have mental health issues in um, in elementary schools at this point, you know. And um, I think it the huge point where we kind of saw in our youth ministry is we. I mean, within the past couple of years, we've had um, multiple suicides. Mm. So obviously, it's an issue because if, if if even one person is killing themselves over a mental health thing, like it's too much. Um, so, I mean, part of my story is I, I struggled with mental health all the way mm-hmm. from elementary. Um, obviously you can't see me cause it's a, a podcast, yeah. but you can see me. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm 5'10", I weigh about 295 if I'm lying and <laughs> right, right. I don't want to say three bills. I'm like, I'm not there yet. Yeah. And so when I'm 30, I can be three bills, Come but, on. <laughs> uh, but I've always been a big guy. I think in fifth grade, I five ten. So I've been five ten since I was fifth grade. Well, mm-hmm. I'd be 11. So I've always been super tall, but I've always been super big too. And then on top of it, I had, uh, I still might have it. I don't know. My wife doesn't talk about it, but I had a speech impediment. So instead of saying like Mount Rainier, I would say Mount Wainer. Dude, you had bro. I had I have that to this day. Right. I cannot say the the, the word war. Like I just don't know how to that say. That one's it. like literally the hardest. So I, it's like so hard. So every um every Tuesday at school, I would go to the speech therapist, uh-huh. and they'd you know they'd say say rabbit, and I'd be like whap it, and I'm like I'm like I've you been doing know, this bro. for like five years. I'm tired of it. And so literally the lady's like, if you don't want to if you don't want to get better, stop coming, stop coming. And I was like, I I won't come anymore. And so I just deuced out and literally all the way to high school, um, I had the speech impediment. So just constantly like people, um, it's really weird just cause I am one of the bigger kids, like just people bullying me, like giving, making fun of how I talk, making fun of how I look. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it, it hit me into a point where, uh, I started feeling just kind of like those insecurities started feeling, um, you know, real low. And I started having those kind of mental health issues of just like, 
um, anxiety of like not saying the right thing or um, just, I think, I think my biggest mental health was just like insecurity and yeah. anxiety. Um, I know for some people, uh, you know, it, it can be anger. So some people it's stress. Um, but it, it's really kind of like where it starts, it can turn into something even more because my yeah. insecurity, it turned into depression. Mm. Right. And so, um, and then well, there's always been this, this kind of big thing of limiting people and saying like, nah, it's like, you'll be fine. Like you're 12, stop crying. Mm. And it's like, no, that 12 year old sad. We need yeah. to deal with it. That's so. deep. That's good, man. And I think, I think when it comes to mental health, I think we have to understand that even though they may be 12, they may be 10, they may be nine. For sure. They struggle with those things. Because in my story, I was a nine, 10 year old, um, even younger than that. And I felt like if I knew what mental health was when I was a kid, I'd be <laughs> like, oh, I obviously am depressed in some sort of way. Or I'm very like, have you heard of ACEs? Um, yeah. Adverse childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, it's like a test. And there's 10... There's 10 possible outcomes. I'm a nine on that ACEs. Really? Um, so, like, I've experienced every type of abuse except one. And what happened with that was I look and I'm saying, I had mental health problems as a kid that weren't even registering to me, but they were just in my brain that were developing. So now I have a temper that I'll snap on you real quick mm -hmm. if you say something rude. Like, if you're racist, I'm, 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 I'm going to want to kick you. Right. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. So I think... That's so important that we talked about that. It doesn't matter what age you are um, in mental health. I think it just matters that we go to people and say, hey, it's okay to have mental health issues. Uh, but how do, we, how do we deal with that? So I think I love, we were talking about this before. Right. What do you think, how do we, how do we handle mental health? How do, we, how do we talk about mental health? How do we have these conversations with our students or with youth pastors or with youth leaders? Like, how do we start those conversations? Yeah. Yeah, well, like, first of all, for sure, disclaimer, like, not everybody's story is the same and not everybody's yeah. fix is the same. Um, like, I 100% believe that Jesus is, like, is the number one healer, but some people's mental health issue is, like, to a point where, like, they need to be on medicine. Yeah. And uh, so don't, like, just start laying hands on kids and be like, right, your anxiety's <laughs> gone. Like, uh, doesn't take, take it away. <laughs> like, doesn't, like, Jesus can do everything, but sometimes Jesus wants to do something a different way, not yeah. the way... Uh, you know, that you may think it's good, bro. Um, but you know, for me, this is just my experience, but, um, my mental health wasn't really any different than my physical health. Mm. Um, you know, in my physical health, like, like I said, like I was, when I was a kid, like I was this really kind of just blob of a character. And then, um, as I got into middle school and high school, like started hitting the weights, started hitting the track. And, um, and I started to see like, like, I had, there's a picture of me when I'm like 16. I think there's like six of us on the wrestling team and like we're in a weight line. And so like there's a little 96 pounder and he has an eight pack. And then like the one 20 pounder, he has a four pack. Yeah. And like, so it's a line of four packs. And then you get me and like, you can see like the outline of where I'm starting to have a little two pack. So, oh, okay. so it was a point of like, um, with my physical health, like that's something that you work on. Like how many times do you go to the gym? Six times a week bro <laughs> on that next level yep <laughs> um so mental health really is no different um mm -hmm. when it's you know when you're in stages of of you have an issue and it can be and it can be uh fixed um you know fixed by you doing something actively 
and uh and for me like um like my depression my anger just kind of all these different emotions that i was feeling yeah. was i wasn't exercising those emotions so like with a when you go to when you go hit the bench or you hit the squat like you're not squatting unless you go all the way down and all the way back up because yeah. if you just go down that's called a fail hmm. right if yep. you hit your chest and can't get back up on a bench that's called a fail so how many times like are we getting angry and we just stay angry hmm. like that's a fail like it's normal to get angry that's you're a human you're supposed to get angry if you have apathy that's an issue yeah but if you're getting angry and you're not like releasing that tension through healthy ways and exercising that anger through a healthy channel then you're gonna find out that like you're not exercising just your mental health in full and you're fine that um you know the same way like you don't exercise your muscles you won't have muscles Mm -hmm. so if you don't exercise your mental health you're gonna have bad mental health Mm -hmm. because there won't be any strength in it yeah that's good so it's like i I find it i just started going to therapy Mm -hmm. and I was so scared to start because like there's a stigma around dudes going to therapy it's weak it's it's for girls I'm not saying this is true but there's just this there's just a stigma around it and what you're saying is I was getting angry and I didn't know why Mm -hmm. I was upset and I didn't know why right I was getting addictive to things and I didn't know why Mm -hmm. and then it took honestly it took somebody else to go bro this is why you're tripping right now. Like this is this is the reason why. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I go I go once once a month or every other two week every two weeks. And what that what I'm saying is like I'm working out my mental health per se. I'm exercising. Yeah, yeah. And it's not an everyday thing, but it's like I'm going to someone. And I think when people ask like, so how do I exercise it? I don't know if you agree with this, but Go have these conversations with people, like talk to people about your health, because I think so often the question, how are you, just gets answered with, I'm good. Oh, yeah. But how many times have I asked you that question or you've asked me that question and we know that we're deadlined to each other. Mm -hmm. We just got an argument with somebody. Right. Or we're frustrated at something or we fell in some type of whatever, but we just go, yeah, I'm cool. Right. And I believe that's a fail, you know, not lifting the weight up because we think we can handle it by ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Like, quick bit about me. So my dad died um, 10 days after my first birthday, right? And so I had to process that different than my older siblings had to process that because they were, my brother was eight, my sister was like three or four, and I literally was one. So I have absolutely no memories of my dad versus... Um, my brother and sister, like they remember like getting ice cream with him. They remember playing with him, like all these great memories that they have. And so they dealt with losing a parent and I had to deal with never having one. Mm. And so my mom, she kind of figured out like how to have conversations with them. Cause she was like, Hey, like, you know, your dad would really like this. And I'm sitting here. And I was like, who's he? Like, I don't know that he would like that. You might be lying to me. Mm. And and so, like, I started hit, I started going to therapy when I was, I think I was 10. And um, and it was literally just this guy was trained, and he was trained in knowing, like, where my mind was heading, what I was thinking. And so what he did is he strategically walked me through it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crucial to have these conversations because if you're not walking through your issues, if you're not walking through your problems, you're going to find that you're just going to sit in your problems. 
And, you know, a lot of times, like, in the Christian, um, in Christian communities, we talk about problems, like, there's storms, but honestly, I think mental health is more of a fire, like, because mm. it's honestly, like, it's hell on earth, it's hell in your own mind, and if you sit in it too long, you're gonna get burnt. <sighs> that's good, bro. Don't sit in it too long, and I think that's so huge. I love that. I'm still in that. I'm taking that. But, like, we look at mental health as something that can be cured, mm-hmm. but... I, I love Twitter. Like, I'm on Twitter right. all the time. And what I'm seeing on Twitter is people are saying mental health can't be... It's not it's not cured. You don't wake up one day like, I'm okay. You just go, it's better. Mm-hmm. And if it's a fire, you know, if there's a huge wildfire, they don't go, yo, we got the wildfire out. It's done. Don't even worry about it anymore. They go, we're working on it still. Mm-hmm. There's still fire to be taken out. There's still fire to be taken out. And even once you take out a wildfire... There's still a chance, since there was a wildfire over there, that it could happen again. Right. Um, but they're going to put processes in place so it doesn't happen again. Right. That's huge, bro. For sure. And it's like even more so, like the wildfire, it, even if there's never a fire on that field, you still burn the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So you've changed the environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny that um, that you say, like, like, that we're having this conversation because we're uh my wife and i we i'm gonna talk about my wife a lot i hope that's okay like she's like that's my girl come on all right (laughs) so love you boo all right so So, um but so we uh we we bought a house a year ago and and now it's like like we didn't buy your chip and joanna Gaines house we didn't buy your httv HGTV house like we bought that house that I found this out like a couple months after we moved in I was talking to the neighbor and she was like oh yeah you guys had like squatters in your house for a minute and so and that changes your perspective when you know a little bit more about the history of your home is like you start looking at walls differently and I was like I was looking at these walls I can see where they did a bad patch job of replacing the drywall and so uh, my father-in-law comes over and he's a he's a he's a contractor and I was like, what do you think they did there? And I was like, oh, yeah, somebody either, like, there's water damage or, like, they kicked that wall out or something like that. And I was like, no, not my house. Yeah. And so so we've been going through, like, a process of, like, updating the house, making it ours. And, um, like, the other day we got a dishwasher. And um, you keep on track with me. You'll see where I'm going. <laughs> All right. So we got a dishwasher. And I'm like, I'm over there. I'm installing the dishwasher. Um, and, like, I'm getting angry. Because, like, the dishwasher's just not doing what I wanted to do. First of all, when I bought the house, it had a dishwasher in it. I shouldn't have to put in a brand new one. Yeah. Right? And, on like, and then the other half of it is, like, I'm on YouTube trying to figure out how to do it the right way. Because if I don't do it the right way, I'm going to have to buy another one two months down the road. Yeah. And so my wife comes over to me, and she's like, hey, babe, like, how's it going? And I snap at her, and I'm like, it's going fine. Like, leave me alone. Let me do this. Right? And so... And she's like, she looks at me and like, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. So she not only has like the wife look, but she already got the mom look down and we don't have kids. So I get the mom look and I'm like, bro, I like, I left my mom's house a couple years ago. Like I don't, I'm trying to not have the mom look anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so she's, and my wife looked at me and she was like, I don't know who you think you're talking to, Come on. but you're about to lose something if you don't straighten up. Huh. And, uh, and so it's. Like, I had an anger issue, and there's places, and there's, you know, um, you know, there's places where I don't get angry anymore, 
because I'm just like, it's not that important. Let it go. Like, I'm not going to get mad at Walmart when somebody's taking too long in line. Like, it's not the end of the world. But like this dishwasher, a place that I'm not used to, a place that I'm not comfortable, that anger that I was so reliant on when I was younger, like that comes out. And that's something that I have to go through with my wife. and And Alicia has to be like, hey, like, you're angry. You need to talk about it so that you don't stay angry Yeah. so that we can identify it and we can kill it before it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. That's huge. And shout out to uh, Alicia. Alicia. Shout out to Alicia. First of all, Lakes graduate. Hey. And shout out to her for just being honest. Because if we don't have people that are going to be honest and say, this isn't you, then we're just going to sit in that, you know, that mental health, that wildfire we've been talking about. We're going to sit in that forever because yeah. we don't have people that are going, this, this ain't you. Mm-hmm. This this is not Andre, right. and your wife obviously knows that because that's your wife, right? The woman you chose to spend the rest of your life with. She knows this isn't this isn't the dude, but I know who he is, and I can say this isn't him. So that's a good man, and I think, I think with that is next question of, and because in this conversation I didn't have this, I didn't talk about this last time, was mental health, and faith. Like, how do we, again, we're not doctors, so don't take what we say and like use it as Bible. Right. It's a perspective. Um, but how do we take what we have as believers, as youth pastors, as youth leaders, and how do we mix that with faith? How do we tell kids, hey, have faith, but we don't go to kids and just say, hey, just pray about it. It'll be gone in a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, that's a, it's a huge question just because I think the dialogue, like you said, is like, they, they come and they say, like, I have mental health issues. And, and we're like, great, pray about it. Jesus is going to heal you. And and it's if you don't, I think if you don't understand Jesus, if you don't know who Jesus is to you, which is so crucial, then, you know, if you don't have a direct relationship with him, then like nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And then they're going to come back a week later and say, you said something would happen. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I'm done with Christianity. Yeah. I'm done with you. I'm done with this church. And they're going to go their separate way. Um, but I think what we can do in the faith community is like the better that we know Jesus, the better we know ourselves. Because, mm-hmm. um, and as I think you actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago at youth um, when you were preaching, but you were saying um, like Jesus has, this is my paraphrase, like Jesus has a blueprint of who we are supposed to be. Yeah. Because he made us, he knit us together in our mother's womb, right? Mm-hmm. And so he knows exactly who we're supposed to be, exactly how he designed us, exactly how we're supposed to turn out. But oftentimes we don't turn out that way because some cho- so because of choices that we made behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the great thing about Jesus is regardless of the choices that you made behind you, when you choose Jesus, he can reset you. And, um, that was something that happened to me, uh, when, so my testimony is I'm in high school, depressed, angry. And I think my huge thing is that it's just that I was lonely Mm -hmm. and, um, and I felt isolated. And, uh, and so when I started becoming a Jesus person and I started realizing that I have a relationship with, with Jesus, who died for me on the cross, I have a relationship with God, who knit me together in my mother's room, and I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who resides in me, then I realized, like, I didn't have this isolation anymore, because I was never alone anymore. I had God with me. And, um, and so, 
when I knew that in my mind and I knew that in my theology and it wasn't just like, this is knowledge. So I know it It is like, this is fact. Mm -hmm. This is truth. This is just as real as the air I'm breathing or the water I bathe in or the food that I eat. Yeah. And so when you sit in that, I think it can change your perspective. Cause I think that honestly, it, not everything, but I think a lot of things can come down to perspective and, um, you know, when you when you're sitting in some place and you're at the bottom of the hill, you look like you have a really big climb ahead of you. Yeah. But when you finally get to the top of the mountain, then you see like everything else that you had to conquer. It's worth it mm-hmm. because you got to see the view. Yeah. And uh, and I think just, you know, with faith, it's it's really just like it's not a one stop fix. It's not a one stop shop. You have it's constantly going to Jesus and saying, Lord, I need help with this. Yeah. And then like and then exercising it, right? Yep. So it's like saying so if you say that like, hey, I have a depression problem, I have an anger problem or whatever, like whatever your whatever the problem is, when you say, Lord help me with it and that thing comes up don't get angry. Like, are you willing to stop what you're doing and think about Jesus? Are you willing, like, and I mean, like in extreme places, like, are you, like, if you're sad, are you willing to get on your knees and like start just praying to God feverishly? And I'm not saying like, I'm not, I try not to be hyper spiritual, but I'm like, you need (laughs) to, like, you need to do what you need to do to get help. Like, like, don't just, don't just sit there and like have an issue, like get help, get healthy. Because uh, it's like, you know, like I look at myself and like, I know that if I don't do something about my weight, I'm going to get diabetes in like five to 10 years. Hmm. Right. So realistically, like, what are you doing about your health? And like, are you taking it to Jesus? And are you taking to him authentically and realistically? Because if you're just saying a prayer to say a prayer to make your pastor happy, nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah. But if you're saying a prayer, cause you're scared and you want to change, like, Jesus is your dad. Like, he's going to make something happen. Yeah. Right? That's huge. That's so good, bro. Man, you wrap that up. I don't have anything to add. But I think, again, I love I love that mountain analogy that you used of, like, when you get up the mountain and you look down, you remember how you conquered it, but you don't, the fear of it's no longer there. Right. Right? So we still have fear after we conquered it because, like, what if it comes back? Well, if it comes back... Now you know how to deal with it. Right. But I think, again, so often we we look at a problem and we go, well, it's done. And you're like, no, no, there's more to go. So that's good on mental health, bro. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, Andre, me and Andre went through the same cadre with Pastor Tyler Sully, who is uh, the new, new inducted senior pastor of Life Center. Love the dude. And Andre's went through this as well. And bro, wh- what's your why? Bro, all right. So I'm gonna give a little disclaimer real quick. I'm all about disclaimers. I love, <laughs> I love disclaimers. I love like warning signs. I love, um, what are they called? I don't even know what they're called, but I love them. But so, like I live, so I live in a corporate world where I have a CEO, I have a CFO, and uh, and it's not like so like I think in the Christian community like we live in a world of like I have a pastor, he has a vision. And this is the vision. And like for Life Center, it's to, um, it's like to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. Like yeah. that's Life Center is why. And I'm all for it. I'm all about it. 
let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. But I live like, so when I work for the bank, when I work for the credit union, we, I don't even know what our, um, I don't even know what our like mission or mission or values or any of that stuff is because, because we don't walk it out. Like we're not about it. Yeah. Like we say that we're about like having good, it's something like we have good financial products. We have this, this, that, and the other. And so, so like when somebody makes a statement, when, unless they're about it, I've heard your statement. You are about your why you walk it out. Yeah. But I like, I know that when I wrote this down specifically, like this is something that I aspire to be Mm -hmm. and I'm not there yet, but I'm working my way there. Yeah. Um, but so I was like, my disclaimer, that's my disclaimer. I'm not there yet. I'm working my way there. And so, um, but so this is my why is to cultivate change in my communities by giving generously, loving fearlessly, and carrying my cross daily, spending less time as a space taker and more time as a difference maker. I remember that. I remember that last part because I was like, that's bars, son. So when you look at that why, right? Mm-hmm. Spend less time as a space taker and more time as a difference maker. How... Because I lo- I, anyone on this podcast that comes on this podcast is going to get asked this question. Mm-hmm. What is your why? Why do you get up in the morning? It doesn't have to be a statement, but I just want to know, like, what drives you? So in a corporate sense and not literally, you're not in a church, you're not working for a church. How do you apply this why when you're cultivating change, not in a place where most believers um, or most youth leaders, youth pastors are cultivating change? And I think that's also good for youth leaders because a lot of youth leaders have different jobs. Yeah. Their jobs just aren't just the church. Their yeah. jobs are, I work at a bank or I work for this company or this company or this company. And so how do we, how do we take our why statements and use them to our good, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Tyler solely talks about this all the time. We're like, Sunday is not the Super Bowl. Sunday is, Sunday is like the, um, I'm not saying it right, but he says, oh, this is what he says. Okay. Sunday is not the Super Bowl. Sunday is the huddle before the play. Mm -hmm. And he says, we're coming together and we're making a plan and we're going out Monday through Saturday and we're make, and then we're going to go get a touchdown. Yeah. And so for anybody that has a secular job, because I mean, there's so many, whether you're a youth leader or if you're, um, you know, if you're a bivocational pastor, like you're still called to follow Jesus every single day. Yeah. And it's not just in a church setting that somebody can get saved. Um, but so so for my why to not be a space taker and to be a difference maker, it comes down to am I going to work just to get a paycheck or am I going to work and, like, and go to work? Mm-hmm. Like you've seen it at the guys at the weight room. We used to call them, you know, they're out doing curls for the girls. <laughs> Dude, you better come on. And I'm like, you're gonna sit in the way. You're like, you're gonna pay thirty dollars every week to do curls, bro. You can pay sixty dollars to go to Walmart, get some dumbbells, and do them at the house. Mm-hmm. Like you just saved thousand dollars a year doing curls for the girls. And so, like, if you're gonna show up and have a plan and execute the plan, like, be about it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so like in my job, um. So I, we just had our, uh, every December we have an all staff meeting where, um, there's about 320 employees, about 75 of us that can make it. We all show up and, um, and we just got, 
uh, we just got honored. Um, uh, it's just, it's like, it's a big like holiday party, but on top of it, we also talk about like our financials and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so like, what's cool about being the credit union is we don't have sales goals, but like, I'm expected to still do something. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I was in the top three people for, um, referrals to a, uh, for referrals. So pretty much people would come in tell me what the problem is. And I say, I can't fix your problem, but I know who can fix it. And then we get like a kickback for doing it. Right. Yeah. And so I was the number one for referral. And then, um, we sell the same, we, we sell products on loans to make the loan more profitable for the credit union. Yeah. And so I was number two for that product. Right. And so, and that has like, that's great and all, but like, that I, you know, that I'm in the top three, Yeah. but it comes down to, was I there just to get a paycheck mm. or was I there to make something happen? Cultivate and, change. Right. Yeah. And so, because this is what it comes down to is now, like when I go talk to somebody about Jesus, they're going to say, somebody's going to know my name, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of, you know, what it is, they know my name. They know I have a good reputation. And so when I tell them about this guy named Jesus who died for my sins and he can die for your sins too, like they're going to take, they're going to receive that and know that I'm just not some bozo that's here to get a paycheck. Like I'm a guy that talks about it and walks it out. Mm-hmm. And that's how crucial it is, is because we have so many people in our, um, just in society today where they want to talk about it. They want to tweet about it. They want to Instagram about it. But when it gets time to like walk it around, to walk it out and to take your shirt off and take the shirt off your back and give it to somebody else. Yeah. Like they're too worried about the price tag of the shirt and not worried about the price tag of that person's soul. Hmm. And so, bro, bro, so, that, that can go on an Instagram post. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but I, and, and I think that's huge is I think too often we, again, we want to talk about it. We want to, you know, and I'm not dissing anyone that says like post Bible quotes and talks about Jesus on Facebook. But man, it's so easy. It's so easy to sit here and go, well, what they're living. It's so easy to look at someone's life on a social media platform and go, man, they're killing it out here. But what, how's their soul? What's the, is their why? Right. Are they fitting with their why? Because I know pastors and they post this, this, that, and this. And then I talk to them like offline. They're like, man, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling, man. But I, I got to keep up this facade. I got to keep up this. This mission, like people have to know who I am. I'm the number one dude. I'm like, no, God never called you to put everything on your shoulders. God called you to just carry on the mission. Because mm-hmm. it's all on his shoulders. He already took it on his shoulders. Like if you look at the cross, it was literally he died because he had too much weight right. on his shoulders. Right. So I just think that's so huge to say, like, we can't just talk about it. Yeah can't just be like, okay, this is my why. Because if you just share your why to me, I'm like, okay, cool, next topic. You're like, what? then why did you ask me for it? Yeah. So I think that's good. Well, Andre, you are killing it right now. I am, I'm about, I'm, I'm writing notes down. I'm about to preach this whole sermon. But hey, we're going to take a break. We'll do a little ad read and we'll be right back. Thanks again for listening to that ad. I know some of you just skip over it. It's cool. It's whatever. If you just listen, you're helping a brother out. So what we're going to get into is a little bit more serious topics. Uh, those topics were serious before, but topics that me and Andre were like, we have to talk about these. And as you guys know, those always come 
in the second half of the episode. So those always will come in the second half of the episode. So we're going to talk about race. Hey. Now, <laughs> understand, is this is a black dude and a white dude having this conversation. Okay? So our perspectives are going to be different. But um, I can remember, and this, this is why I want to have this conversation. Because you guys have heard this, but I remember I was in a... I was in a restaurant and these dudes were doing something racist and I made a huge video blog about it. And then I made the other video where some base, some dude basically said, man, you wouldn't be here unless it was for MLK, mm-hmm. which is racist. Right. And Andre messaged me and basically told me, Hey, this is what I know, but I want to learn more. And I'm telling you when you, when you sent me that message, I respected you before. But the immense love that like I just gained for that, like I felt, I felt honored, right? Because you are a white man and you didn't have to do that. Like you <laughs> didn't have to like message me and be like, "Hey, this is what I know. What do you think?" But as a white man, you came to me and said, "No, I, this is what I know, and I want to know more." And you were, and he didn't come to me like knowing the information. He was, he was asking a question really. Right. He was like, "Hey, is this right?" And I was like, "Hit the nail on the head." So. Dude, as a white guy who, honestly, from where I know where you're from, is probably hung out with a, a lot of colored kids. Well, you'd be surprised, like, bro. It, no, like, so let me so check this out. So, like, I straight up, like, was called a bigot in high school, what pretty much was racist. Like, I don't like claiming it just because I know that wasn't my heart. Yeah. But if you, like, from outside looking in, you would have called me a racist in high school. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was before Jesus. Wow. Okay. And I think that's even huge now because what guy would come to, because I, I'm black and race is again, another heightened awareness kind of topic. So not kind of, it is a heightened awareness topic. And so I just, I was confused. I was like, man, he he came to me knowing that I could be angry. Like I could have snapped him like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? So so from that perspective, mm-hmm. what is race like? Why wh- why did you want to talk about this? Like, what does this mean to you? What does it entail for you for you in ministry, in your heart, in your life? Like, what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, like so, we, we kind of chatted about this a little bit earlier, but um, so like, so check this. So my my biological dad he's passed, but my dad, like my stepdad, but he's my dad. Yeah. So he's black. And I've known him since I was five, but I've hated, but I hated him from when I was like, I didn't, obviously I didn't hate him when I was five, but like I hated him from like my, all my teenage years because the people that were around me taught me to hate black people. Right. Mm -hmm. And taught me that we were different. We're not like supposed to get along. We're not supposed to mesh or anything like that. And, and obviously those are lies. Um, but, and, and this is the other part of it. Is so when I played varsity football, I was the only white guy on the varsity team, minus uh, you know one of our receivers who I very rarely talk to, um, and so I'm literally I'm sur- like you said like I'm surrounded by black people just because of the community or colored people, but because of the community because of Samoans and Polynesians yeah. and um, you know, but I'm surrounded by colored people, but the people that I'm choosing to surround myself with are telling me that I shouldn't mesh with them is mm-hmm. and um and you know so what we had talked about is um 
you know, I got saved by Jesus and I realized that I'm called to love everybody. And so I need to change my perspective, but like, there's still a little disconnect between like, do I enter, like, do I enter a relationship? Do I enter a conversation? Do I try to impose myself onto the student? Because, because I know that where I come from and cause let me change this because it's not, I don't know. This is, this is my new perspective and this is trying how to enter conversations like this, especially regarding races. I don't know anything mm-hmm. because your perspective and my perspective are completely different. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so how I was acting back was I would not enter a conversation or not enter. Um, I would really just isolate myself from particular students because of their race or just because of what they're not what they were doing, but just like it, you know, it would seem like I'm like, I'm trying to like tread very lightly here. Cause I don't want to say like yeah. set off any buttons. So, you know, if I do say something, please forgive me. I'm trying to come in humility. And um, I think but before you go further, like understand you don't need to tread in a certain way because you are a person who's coming from a place of wanting to understand. Right. Right. I read this book by Austin Channing Brown. And I think you should check it out too. Uh, she's a black girl. And, she basically says there was two people on a trip, right? She mm-hmm. they had they had one person, one group who moms came in, dads came in and said, "Yo, black people are going to kill my kids. They're going to they're going to rape my kids. They're going to do whatever to my kids and I we, we don't want our kids here." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "What are you talking about? Like you're com- you're coming to this community to help. What what did you expect? Like a bunch of church kids?" And so so she was like, all right, like, bye. Like, you don't need to be here. Right. And then the other group came in and white people and they go, I, I'm racist. 16 year olds, like high schoolers. Saying, right. Like, I'm racist. I, I don't know. I want to know, but I don't know. And I think if you say something offensive and you want to learn, then I can go, hey, bro, that's not what we say. Right. Or that's not how that goes. But also in the same way, if I say something, it's like, nah, man, that doesn't that doesn't fit. Because I think we also fall in this thing where it's like, I can say no wrong, and that's not true either. Mm-hmm. But it's where you're coming from a perspective of, you're not coming from an idea of like, okay, I hate black people, I hate minorities. I, you're coming from a perspective, of, I, want, I want to love minorities, so I want to learn more and share my heart of what I know. Mm-hmm. So as you go further, like, don't think like, you're going to like, I'm just going to hop off and like throw tables and stuff <laughs> like, because I'm not worried about that because you're coming from a place of wanting to understand. Yeah. Not a place of, I already know because what happens is white, white, white people, when they want to have these conversations, they usually come and say, are you qualified enough to talk to me about this? Right. And it's like, well, I'm black. I might not have an, a degree on black studies and black. No, I'm black. I'm educated enough or I can remember when I was hired at a place and people questioned if I, if I knew what I was talking about, Mm -hmm. was it because I was young? Probably. But don't you think it was because something else too? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's like, and it's like, but when someone came to me and said, I want to understand, then they can truly understand. Right. But when they come to us and say, man, I know, and I'm just coming to just tell you what I know. I'm not here for that. So I'm saying what I'm trying to say, make a long story long is I appreciate where you're coming from and I'm not worried about you. Like 
yeah. saying something crazy. Yeah. So pr- pretty much what would happen is like, what would happen is we'd have a student and so, and it'd be a black student. And so they, they love basketball. Right. And so let me, I don't want to, cause I don't want to sound stereotypical. So, so he loves basketball. He wears a do-rag. He loves hip hop music. He is a rapper. Um, and, and he is a comedian. Like he's a funny guy, but I was worried because I don't like basketball and because I don't know anything about hip hop that him and I couldn't mesh. Right. And so, and so like, I would avoid conversation. Like I would go around him and I'd be in the picture. Like I'd be like the token white guy, but, but like, even though I was in his proximity, I was never in his conversation. And I think that's what's so huge is like, um, you know, we love being a church, um, American church. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me, don't, I'm not being specific, but we, I think we like to talk about the American church with like, we're so diverse and we're so in like, everybody loves each other. But realistically, like, like if you end the service and you see people hanging out, is it, is it, are there black people talking to white people? Are there white people talking to Mexican people? Are there Samoan people talking to Japanese people? Or is it still white people talking to white people, black people feeling like nobody wants to talk to them. So they walk out the door. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and it, and it's huge. And it's, you know, we get into these places where like, I love Nate because I love you because you're like, you're my brother, bro. Like you love Jesus. You love, we're in the same youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I know your heart and I love your heart and everything you do. And I know your why. So I want to be around you and you being black to me, to me, you being black is just like, a secondary thing mm-hmm. now for you like being black might be that might be something that's part of your identity i don't know because i'm not black like for me being white like it's a secondary thing because i just go through life and i don't have to worry about my skin color but i but from the conversations that i've had i know that being black it can be something that can actually hinder you in places that you can go and experiences that you can have yeah and so go ahead and and, and, and yeah that's it bro is and also, I would encourage you is because I love this conversation right now because it's honest, it's real, it's raw, is understand that it's okay to look at me and say he's a black man. Because mm-hmm. that's because it's because because then we, we fall into this thing where it's like, are we colorblind? Because colorblindness isn't not being racist. Right. I think people get that confused. It's like people are like, oh, I'm not racist because I just don't see color. No. Bottom line is I am a black man. Mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do to hide that you know what I mean and so I think I don't as you say it's secondary I, I know what your heart is I know what you're saying like I just don't I'm not looking at you like man that's a black dude he could steal my my car or something like that mm-hmm. but what but what you should say is be like okay this is my friend and he celebrates his blackness I'm gonna celebrate with him be right. in that with him right and cause his book was saying like I'm, I'm talking about Austin Cheney Brown. She was saying, why? Just because, because the heightened sensitivity wasn't because of me. It was because of the culture that we, me and you had no control over. Right. Because that's crazy too, is me and you had no control over, if we did, it might've been different, but me and you had no control to be like, Hey, let's not be racist. So since we had no control to talk about, to make colorblindness a thing, there's a heightened sensitivity to it. Mm-hmm. So we have to go, no, that's that's what you are. Right. So in the same respect of saying, 
not saying you know where I'm coming from, but saying I know who you are. Mm-hmm. Because if I like if I go on a stage in a church, there's three things that are going to be identified about me. My skin color, how tall I am, and if my hair and shoes look cool because I'm at youth ministry. Right, you know what I'm right. like, those are my three identifiers. Mm-hmm. The, and does he biblically know what he's talking about? But right. the first one always is is going to be skin color. Because mm-hmm. it's just... Right. That's, just, that's just who we are. The, eyes, the way our eyes work. That's, yeah, just looks and I go, okay, cool. He's white. And I've done this and I go, oh, he's white. What is he going to do? What, what is this person going to say? Mm-hmm. He's going to say something reckless. But I'll tell you, I've even had conversations with people who aren't white where I've been like, man, that was racist. I can remember having a conversation with a pastor one time. I'm not going to say like the ethnicity but just a pastor who was not of white descent and we're having this conversation about uh shootings like being killed by the police Mm -hmm. and we have the conversation and he goes you have to think from the perspective of the cop (laughs) i was like cool when are we going to think of the perspective of the black man right right because we're always saying think of the perspective think of the perspective like philander castile right I'm getting emotional. Like, Fernando Castillo's in the car, says, hey, officer, I have a gun. If a white man would have been in that conversation, they go, okay, cool, hey, um, put your gun down. Don't take it out. Okay, cool. I need your insurance and all that, all those things. Why not Fernando Castillo? Mm-hmm. Put, don't, don't, don't reach for the I'm not. Don't reach for the gun. I'm getting my... Bam. Right. Dead. You have to think of the perspective of the cop. He could have he he been shot and killed. What? Isn't it? I don't know the law, law, but like, isn't it the law to go, hey, I have a gun. So if you get alarmed to have a gun, it's because I have it. I'm right. telling you. Yeah. So, and I, and I think, I think as we look at that, we say, and that's what falls in the color blindness. Because when we go, just think of, just think of their, just think of the, just think of the white person's perspective. It's like, no, we, your perspective is history. Every all of history, look look at our textbooks. That's not my perspective. Right. I, I remember reading a textbook in high school one time, and I didn't get it at the time, but it literally talked about racism as if people were happy to or racism, slavery as people as if people were happy to be in in it. Mm-hmm. Literally, they were like, man, they were singing Negro spirituals and they were praising the Lord and Frederick Douglass knew how to read in, out of slavery. So like. Right. It's like no no one was happy right. to be there might have been some people were like, Man, this is a better situation than what I could could have been in. But people weren't like clapping hands when they were coming on boats and shackles, you know. So all that to be said, I think the idea of perspect I love perspective, but with perspective, you have to take in both parties' perspective. But if the perspective is already taken from the white man's perspective, we can't say why don't we just look at his perspective? We already have. Right. When I see the news thing, even me as a black man, I go, so how what, How did the cop react? I'm not even thinking about how the mom, how the daughter in the back seat who watched her dad get killed. What's her perspective? Mm-hmm. What was she saying? She's probably thinking, my dad would never hurt anybody. Right. You know, so. So like, so my why, part of my why is to love fearlessly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that's what, like, because, so there was a period where, like, I was, um, 
you know, when Black Lives Matter first came out, I was like, well, all lives matter. That was my, that was my response to Black Lives Matter. And, um, and so Carl Lentz said this white guy, white pastor in for Hillsong, New York, but he said, he's like, yeah, all lives do matter. But right now there's an issue with black lives specifically. So let's fix that issue. And once that issue is fixed, then we can start saying all lives matter. And so, and so I thought that was great. And so when I say love fearlessly as being part of my why, I want to learn how to love you fearlessly. Because if I come to you and I say, you know, and I, like, like I said, like, if I come to you and I say like, Nate, like, you're great. I love this. I love your spirit. I love the way you preach. You know, I love this podcast that you do listen to it every week. But, but you love being a black man. And I never say, Nate, you're, you're an amazing black man. Like you are a, and I, and I come to you and I say, Nate, you're a, um, uh, you're a role model for the black community, for the kids in our city, for the kids in our youth ministry. They can look at you and they can see that this is a black man that is, that is success, is successful, that, um, loves people well, that loves Jesus well. And you're setting an example for them. And I never hit on that, that I'm not loving you. I'm not loving you maximally and I'm not loving you fearlessly because if I'm afraid to say something out of love, then I'm wrong. Hmm. And so I, so I think that's kind of my thing is like to love fearlessly. It means to, to me, it means to love somebody no matter what the, um, no matter what like the response of them is. Cause yeah. I can love somebody and they can hate me. But as I think like kind of like what we've been talking about, like is if I'm coming to you and if I'm coming to you out of love, out of humility and out of wanting to know better and wanting to, you know, be educated, yeah. then like I'm like, I don't think I'll ever I, I can walk away from that conversation. No, I wasn't in the wrong and I might have said some wrong things, yeah. but I would. But like I wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. And so so I think that's like part of us having this conversation is. I want to be able not to love you fearlessly, but I think you have a pulse on our community. And if I can, so like if I can get a reading on the pulse that you're reading, then I can love fearlessly better. And, um, and that's just what I think, honestly, that's just what good leaders do because I don't always have the best vision. I don't always have the best hearing, but I know that right now, like you have better, you have a better pulse on our community. You have better vision and hearing for our black community. And so I need to see what you're doing and trust in what the Holy Spirit is doing through you. Because I think like, just my opinion, like you have, like the Holy Spirit wants you to be a leader for our, just for the people that were around. Mm-hmm. And so I need to, like, I know the Holy Spirit's working on you, so I need to rely on the information that you're bringing me. And so, because it's, we're, we're all part of one church, we're all part of one unit, and we're all supposed to be in unity. But if I'm too afraid to come to you and ask you questions or ask you how to be better, then our unity is falling apart. Mm-hmm. So, that's good, bro. That's good, man. And yeah, man, just know you're not. We're not the the issue isn't you know hey like love me like the the issue is see me right and it's not it's not that you have to like you know you don't have to come to me like Nate you're a great black dude just be like I I see you right and if you see and I think it's more of like in these in these because I'm not worried about 
like I know I'm a black dude, but the con- the conversation is if if I'm in the room and you see oppressive things happening to me, mm-hmm. Andre goes, "Nope, I'm gonna use the privilege that I have. I'm gonna stand up and say this is not how it's gonna go." Right. Same thing if it even if it wasn't a, if it was a woman, and you see a woman getting disrespected or her body's being um, her body's being made fun of or anything, you go, "No, no, no, no. all you dudes." You have privilege because you're male. Because mm-hmm. I might be a black dude, but I'm a dude. Right. So I have, I have, even though I lose privilege in one part of me, I have privilege in another part of me. And so we got to look at even with that and say it's not the issue of love me, because because especially if with believers, I say like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confused of whether believers love me. Mm-hmm. I'm confused as whether believers see me, mm-hmm. and believers see. That I'm a man that loves Jesus, but am I? But am I? I might be different. Mm-hmm. I'm different, and so and that's the question: is I am different. That's okay, right? But when we, when we ex- like, I'm gonna start at um, Hutloff Middle School. I'm gonna start this ministry, not this ministry, but I'm gonna be at the school more right. Wednesdays and Fridays, and I'm stoked. But I know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get a lot of the troubled kids. I might get a lot of colored kids. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's okay, but my minist- my ministry in my heart is going to be no, I see you. Cuz they're told you're you're a troubled kid, we're going to push you over here. Right? I don't think and I don't think this school is doing that. I don't think the school is like telling kids to go over there. Right. I think the rest of society tells them, "Hey, you're a troubled kid, you're colored, and you're a woman. Nah, dog, you're good. And go over there." And I think what our society needs to go, "Oh, you're a troubled kid, come on in." Right. Oh, also you might be objectified because of your body. Oh, come on in. Mm-hmm. Oh, also you might be you might be called this, this, that, and say that um you're gonna steal this, steal from this store even though you have the money to pay for this. Come on in. Right. We bring them as close as we can, and say, I see you. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for you. Yeah. And that's the conversation like of race is if we can just say I see you, I believe people would go, okay, you see me. Now let's talk, right? Because right. I see you and you see my conversation. So you're going to leave today and go, oh, I have more knowledge than what I had. Right. Same if you were to sit me down and you were to say, this is my life and this is my faith or your mental health. I'd be like, oh, I'm leaving knowing more. Mm-hmm. And the same with, I love it. I love what you said about a pulse. Because I might have a pulse on the black community, but I, I can remember when I was a kid that I was too black for the white kids, but too white for the black kids. Right. Because I don't, I'm I'm, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like that. What I'm saying is, but who I am is I'm a man who, not well speech, but like, I talk well. Right. And, but I do play basketball. And I, when I'm around, when I'm around some people, like, I'm playful, I'm fun, like, I'm loud. And those are black characteristics and my hair's nappy and it, it. And I don't wash it all the time. Why? Because it gets all fuzzy and frizzy. And like, that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. But I have a pulse in both. And what I'm finding now, even especially when I'm in ministry circles now, is that it's even more, it's more evident. Because oh, yeah. kids, kids get this. Man, I, I believe kids understand this. It's, it's us. Mm-hmm. It's these adults out here. It's, this, it's, the, it's the last generation or the millennial generation, me and you, like, that are going, we don't know. And we just push them to the side. Right. And we don't want to understand. Because that's what I'm saying at the beginning of this conversation. I'm going to leave everything you said in. 
even though people might be like, what did he just say? I'm going to go, no, 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 no. What Andre is saying isn't coming from a perspective of, I know what I'm talking about, and yo, I'm white. What's good? Yeah. It's a perspective of, yo, I'm white. I want to know more. Right. And that's what I got from the Instagram comment. And obviously our long conversation right. about race is we have to come to the understanding uh, Jesus wasn't a white man. <laughs> right. Also the, come on. Thank but, you. <laughs> but also the understanding that Jesus wasn't a white man, but also he was for all people. Mm-hmm. All people. Right. And so I could go into, I could go for another hour about that stuff. But as we look at our country today, we can't say that all people feel loved. Right. Right. And I love what Carl Lentz said is, yeah, honestly, the, yes, God says all lives matter. But in that sentence, all lives matter, we have to know that we have to say, no, right now, black lives are under. But right now, I feel like like we're not, there's no heightened sensitivity to it, but there's live, black lives being ridiculed every day. But I think right now we need to start saying Latino lives matter. Right. Hispanic lives matter. Immigrant lives matter. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, um, but you know, Jesus was an immigrant. Right. He was kicked out of his own place. And went from place to place to place to place. Never had a place to lay his head. Right. So, to my understanding, this world that has a heightened sensitivity to immigrants would kick, leave Jesus out. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I ain't leave Jesus out in my country. Right. Jesus knocks on my door. I'm like, hey, come on in, bro. You good. Oh, and bring everybody else with you. Right. Like, I'm with you. Like, let's get, let's get to a point where, like, Latino lives matter. Refugee lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get a point to where, you know, immigrants' lives matter. And regardless of regardless of the political stuff, like what can we do to make sure that like what can we do to make sure that Jesus is looking down from heaven and being like, those are my people Mm -hmm. and and those people who are receiving them, those are my people, too. Mm -hmm. What can we do on both sides to make sure the people coming in and the people receiving are walking the way that Jesus would walk? That's huge. That's it, man. A a country because we are fixing a broken system. Right. Because, um, yeah, based on Christian values, but as we know, they're white Christian values. So we're, we're literally trying to reframe how, and we're reframing how people, a people group think. Right. Like, we're changing how people think. No, like, you've changed the way that I've thought, yeah. just because I thought that I was supposed to say, because it's, it's not even saying, like, you changed me from going from, like, colorblind to saying I see you to thinking like I need to exaggerate how much I see you where yeah. you're like, no, bro, like I just need you to know that I'm black and be cool with it. Yeah. And just be like, all right, cool. Black dude. Like, and when we walk down the street, it's like, man, we're just together. Right. And when I'm in this program called ELD and what they're kind of like, what we're talking about is like in this room, we have all types of different people of color. Mm-hmm. We have white people. We have, <laughs> we have black people. We have Latinos. Like, and we see when we go. We're together, and I see you. Mm-hmm. And to me, the Bible is the biggest I see you story. Right. Right? Is I see you. Mm-hmm. You're falling in sin. I see you. Sometimes we're like, hey, I don't want you to see me. But like, <laughs> he's like, no, I see you. Right. So, man, like, I appreciate you wanting to have that conversation. Because, um, again, I could go all day. We could do another episode hey. on that. And I think we... We are trying to literally rewire. Like you just had, you just had parts of your mind like literally just like unla- un- unhinged and reconnecting and saying, "This is different." 
This mm-hmm. is different. But people need to be receptive like you have been and say, right. all right, it's different, but it but it's good. It's so good. And what we do is we often say, it's different. Get it away from me. But yeah, yeah bro, that, thanks for that conversation. Yeah, man. I appreciate it's, it's that. It's been a pleasure. Let's have more like them. Yes. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, we'll probably have more conversation after this. Right. It's even, <laughs> it's even over. Just do another episode just offline. Sweet. Well, I, w- I want to end like this. And I think, and this will be quick, is in ministry, mm-hmm. uh, and this I believe this ties well with, with is just mindset. Like yeah. mindset that we right. have. Right. Because race, racism is, all, is, is in the mind. It's in the right. head. It's taught. We learn it. And then we have to unlearn it. Mm-hmm. And so with this is in ministry, we have this, and me and you are in two different aspects to this, or two, two, two different places of this, of where I'm 20 and I walk into rooms and I feel almost gross because I'm like, I'm the youngest person in this room. Mm-hmm. No one's going to respect what I'm saying. No one's going to want to hear what I'm saying. No, I was going to go say, he's too, he, he's too young, he's too this, he's too that. And people are going to judge me because of my perspective is from a 20-year-old perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere I've been in. The leadership cadre. Who's the youngest? Me. Right. Uh, I walk into Young Life Rooms. Who's the youngest? Me by almost by far. Bruh, I'm young. Mm-hmm. And I get this. And, and what we're talking about is mindset and ministry and kind of our heart and ministry. And I talked about this, but like ministry anxiety of comparison, right? Right. And so what I do is I compare myself and say, man, they're, they're 21. They're doing better than me. They're 22, 23, 24. But then I came to this realization that I said, you know, God's called me to be a 20-year-old mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, First Timothy, you say hear it all the time. I don't even know what it is anymore because I hear it so much. <laughs> but in Timothy, like, don't let anyone look down on you because of your, cause you're young. Right. And that's what this, this, this is what this is about. Because 20-year-old, 22-year-old and you, we look at each other and we say, we say, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's so funny. We say we're too young. Mm-hmm. But did you know that literally we are the ones that in two or three years will be taking the people's jobs that are calling us right. too young. Right. That will be, you'll be a pastor, I'll be a pastor, and we'll go, whoa, we're here. Me and you will be getting coffee five years down the road at a coffee shop because that's what pastors do for some weird reason. Right. And we'll go, whoa, why? How, how are we here? And so I walk into rooms and I get anxious about that. And I'm like, man, I just feel weird. I feel gross when I'm preaching. It's always so hard because I'm like, dude, that guy's five five days younger than me, and I'm preaching to him. So weird sometimes. But I think the way I've counteracted that is I've said, yeah, I'm young, but man, I got it. Mm-hmm. God, God's called me. Right. God didn't call me in five years. Like some, he's called some people. God called me now. Right. Some people are like, man, you should have waited. I've had I had this. We should have waited to make a podcast till like you had more knowledge. I was like. Now nah, I'm good. I'm starting now. Mm-hmm. Get people that are older than me that can give me knowledge, share with me. But I'm starting now. Why? Because I believe I have something to say. Yeah. I believe I have a mouthpiece. So just real quick, share about how some of your ministry anxiety or comparison or um, you, you mentioned staying humble, mm-hmm. which I think is important. And then just talk about real quick, how have you counteracted that or try or will counteract that feeling? Yeah. Um. I think honestly, so ministry anxiety just goes straight off straight to comparison. Like Nate, you're 20, I'm 22. You've like, you've been a pastor. You are a pastor. You will like, you're continuing to be a pastor. Like you're in school. Um, 
and, and you're a teaching pastor at our youth ministry. Um, and, uh, and I'm not, I've been given the invitation to preach, um, in the past five years, a very limited amount of time. And, uh, and there was a lot, there's a long minute that I was pretty salty about it. And I was just, and especially, um, you know, when I got married, I took some time off to focus on my marriage. And if anyone right now, like if you're a, if you're a youth leader and you're listening to this and you think you need to take time off, you're wrong. Cause you don't like, you're going to miss youth more than you're going to miss youth more than you're going to grow your marriage. So you might as well just do both. Mm. Um, cause that's, that's honestly probably one of my biggest regrets is taking that time off to quote unquote, focus on my marriage. Cause I wasn't focusing on my marriage. I was taking time off of youth. Yeah. Um, but so I came back to youth and, um, uh, and you and our, and our friend, uh, Tyler Smith, you guys are preaching and I'm like, and so I literally got butt hurt and was just like, I and so in my head, I remember being like, I've done so much for this youth ministry and I've never, and I've been up there once, you know? And, um, and first of all, that's just, that's just a bad heart. That's a bad heart to have. That's a poisonous heart to have. Yeah. And that's how, um, that's how things can get destroyed. And, um, and so, but if we look at, my, if we look at where I was in that season, if we look at my Bible reading, my Bible reading was only when I needed to prepare a message hmm. or an offering or a talk. Um, if we look at my prayer life, my prayer life was at the beginning, at the end of a sermon. Uh, if we, look, <laughs> that's deep. and Talk if, about it. and if we look at my theology, um, and, you know, look at my actual Bible study, cause Bible reading and Bible study are two different things. Um, but if we look at my actual Bible study, it was non-existent mm-hmm. and, it, or if it was, it was only for purposes of preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you, so this is how dope God is, is when you think you only need to know about God so you can talk about God, God's going to make sure that you don't talk about him at all. And so there's a reason that my name didn't come up when they were talking about who's going to speak. And it's because I wasn't ready to speak about God mm. because I wasn't in a deep enough relationship with God. And, um, and so to the, you know, to the youth leaders that they want to be on that pod, you know, they want to be on the platform. They want to be on the podium. You need to trust your youth pastor. You need to trust the people in leadership above you. Because you're in a spot right now and you're not where you want to be, it's because you're not ready to be there. Mm. And that's just, that's as real as it's going to get. Yeah. If you want to be someplace and you're not there, it's because you're not supposed to be there right now. Because mm. that's what God does. And, you know, one day God is going to use me and I'm excited for that day. But I'm, but what I'm sitting in right now, I'm going to relish this moment. Yeah. Because I've seen youth pastors, like I know more youth pastors now. I know what they got to deal with. And I'm like, look, I just got to show up to work from my nine to five and I'm good to go. Yeah. It's like these youth pastors, they work in, they're working from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, and they're putting in work on these students. They're, they're showing up, they're doing what they got to do. It's not an easy job like everybody thinks. We had talked and, it's like um, youth pastors are some of the most depressed people in, in ministry, and uh, it's, so, it's so lonely. It's right, so lonely. Right, because you, no one else is kind of just alone, unless you have like people with you. But even then, you're like, "Am I still doing a great job?" Right, when you're asking that question, and so I think that's huge, bro. Is God? Because I, I was the same way, and I, and when that happens to me. I give terrible sermons. <laughs> I never want to preach. But the last two sermons I've given have been 
some of the best sermons I've ever shared. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was tethered to this. I was tethered to the spirit. Mm -hmm. I knew that when I was preaching, it wasn't Nate speaking. Because when Nate speaks, sermon's bad. Promise you. Hundred times on a hundred. If Nate wrote this thing down and Nate took the notes and Nate did and Nate picked the verse, we're gonna have a tough. It's always gonna be a tough thirty minutes. Yeah. But if Jesus goes, hey, speak on this. Hey, share this. Oh, it's about to go. Right. It's about to go down. Right. Um. So I just think that's huge, bro. Is in ministry, we have to understand. From my perspective as a young dude, saying, "Man, I don't got it." To you as a to you as a who's a guy that's like, man, why why do they get it? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't got it. Why do they get it? Big questions that we may ask. We have to go. Where does God want me? Right. And if we stay tethered to the Spirit, He's gonna move us where He needs to move us. Because you shared this Wednesday, and I was like, dude, good word. Mm-hmm. I offered a bunch of kids to give their life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. N- new kids to give their life to Jesus. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's. God's going to use this in those little slivers because it might not have been a full sermon. Right. But God used you for those four to five minutes. Kids gave their life to Jesus. God used me, and I was all over the place with mine. But no, he used those four to five minutes to speak to some kid, to share to some kid. Right, for sure. We just never know. We Like, we don't know what God is doing. Right. A lot of us are like, man, I know what God's doing. Like, no, I have no idea what God's doing. He's doing something, and I'm glad that I can be like, hey, God, I'm cool. Like, we're together. The other day, he's doing the work. Yeah. And I just going to go, cool, help you out. You know, like, I'm here with you. Yeah. And he, and that's when he celebrates and relishes in as well. Yeah. So, bro, we have to remember that. Stay tethered to Jesus and we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah. We're going to be all right. Yeah, no. Like, like you said, like, the other night, like, I felt the Holy Spirit, like, hey, like, um, you need to talk about this thing that's, you know, close and personal to me. And so I literally felt like I was going to throw up because I didn't want to talk about it. And, um, and I got to the point where I got up there, you know, I gave that little five minute talk and then Jesus was like, look, you need to do a salvation prayer. And I was like, I'm like, that's not my job. Like that should be John up here doing that. But, um, but I have a good relationship with John. So like right now, if you're, if you're a, you know, youth leader and you're listening and you don't know your youth pastor like this, like, don't do that. But, um, but John and I, we have a good relationship. We've known each other a long time. And, um, and he's given me some certain like authorities where I know that he's comfortable with me doing like a salvation prayer at the end of the night. But, um, so I did the salvation prayer because I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to do it. I wasn't just doing it because I was the last, you know, cause there was five minutes left in the night. <laughs> um, but you know, but it's like that night that I relied on the Holy Spirit, like it was impactful for the students, but also like when I dig it off the platform, like I felt peace knowing that everything I just did was done tethered to the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, and it, it's just huge. Like if we're doing this in our own power, nothing's ever going to happen. There's never going to be fruit and, and we're be like, um, you know, we're, if we're not rooted to Jesus, if we're not rooted to the Holy Spirit and to God. We're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. And and it's like we need to see our students grow. We need to see ourselves grow. We need to see our church grow. We need to see our community grow. Because a lot of times our communities, they're planted in bad soil. Mm-hmm. But through our – because that's what – I think that's honestly what pastoring is. Like 
yes, it's leading sheep, but a part of it is like making sure that where you're leading the sheep is the good soil. And so if you're going to pastor a community, you got to either change the soil or you need to fertilize the soil to make sure that it can be a place where that good growth can happen. Yeah, that's good. Man, Andre, killing it, bro. Andre, I am honored to know you, honored to serve, literally serve alongside you. And thanks for being a part of the first first live take of this, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. Um, it was great, dude. Do you have anything else you want to share? How people can contact you. How can people get to know you in any way? Uh, just ask Nate what my number is and yeah. give it to you. I don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, follow me yeah. at Andre.FMcD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to be him, but... <laughs> but uh no man honestly like just going back to you um like you said like people have come alongside you and say like hey you're doing this too early no you're not bro Mm -hmm. like um i so i listen to a bunch of podcasts but i make a point to listen to your podcast every week because um i was listening to leadership lean in i listened to levi i think i listened to um another like big pastor, big name pastor. And they all literally on the same podcast, they all said the same thing. They said something about, you know, the five people you're, you're the average of your five closest friends. Literally. They all said that. And like, that's huge. And that was great. But they all said it. Every time I listen to your podcast, I hear something that one, I've never heard from a, from a big name pastor Two, it's always something fresh. And three, I'm always either going to hear something that I can take with me mm-hmm. or something that's going to um, convict me and it, I need to leave something behind. So Thanks, like, bro, so like this podcast, keep on doing it. I'm all about it. I'm always going to be listening. So I was like, if you got one listener, do it. Hey. Yeah, hey. All right. Hey, I love you, man. Well. Thanks for having me yeah, on. Of course. I appreciate it. And um, just so you guys know, uh, next week will be a lot. This week, this episode is going to come out Tuesday the 8th at 10 p.m. This will come out with my boy Andre. And then I'm doing a double interview. Hey. So after that, uh, I have a friend coming on named Carla Patrice. I, I don't want to butcher her last name. Her name's Carla. And I'm super excited to have her on. And she is uh, she actually has a conference called She Roars. And I don't know how to say that word. So <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Can't wait to have her on. And So Andre, again, thank you so much for coming on, bro. But hey, you guys, thank you for listening to the Youth of the Nation podcast. You have a great week. Keep it blessed.